We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Welcome back to another episode of Weird Distractions Podcast, a weekly podcast where I, your host Alex, rotate in discussing true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that to provide you, and more than likely what your orthopedic surgeon would consider a weird distraction from everyday life. This week we are jumping into a true crime case with some hints of folklore and just overall weirdness associated with it. But of course, before we dive into the case, I need to do a little bit of housekeeping and I need to tell you what I need a distraction from. If you would like me to read maybe what you need a distraction from, feel free to send me a DM or shoot me an email at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com and I will read it on the next episode. So the only thing I have for housekeeping is that I want to welcome Lanny to the Weird Distractions Patreon family. I hope you enjoy the extra content over there and just as well I want to say thank you to all the Patreon supporters. I really appreciate your support over on patreon.com. I really do hope you are enjoying the bonus episodes over there as well as early access and just as a reminder don't forget if you want me to discuss a certain case, maybe a certain story, a certain conspiracy theory, let me know. That is a perk for both tiers. If you're tuning in and you're not part of the Patreon family and you're thinking, mm, I kind of want to join, I want to see what's going on, you should go check out www.patreon.com slash podcast. Now my need for a distraction this week. So... As Patreon supporters and people on my personal Instagram have noticed, I recently got a new kitten. So we welcomed him home on October 15th. And let's just say we are slowly adapting to having a kitten. Um, we already have a cat. And by we, I mean my boyfriend and I. And my cat, who is 10 years old, is not super keen on the kitten yet. I'm hoping that will change with time. But any distraction from that because it became very stressful and just very, I don't know, emotional for me, I guess. I don't know. My emotions have just been all over the too. So I feel like that was just like the icing on top of an emotional cake. But nonetheless, hopefully things will be better in the next couple of weeks. And if you want to see pictures, um, I don't know, maybe hop on over to my personal Instagram and look at pictures. His name is Lincoln. He's a little orange, half Siamese, half Russian blue. He is adorable. As I'm recording, he is sitting underneath my desk being a very, very good boy. So so I'm pretty happy in this moment. Hopefully this this will last. Hopefully he will do this every time I record. But now that we have housekeeping out of the way, I've told you what I need distraction from. I think it's just time to get into it. So let's just do that. Let's get into this week's distraction. For this week's episode, I'm going to be discussing an older true crime case that seemingly has some mystery about it bordering the realm of folklore, as mentioned earlier. So pack your bags. Grab your flashlights and get your detective hats on as we discuss the unsolved deaths of George and Joseph Cox. This case is often referred to as the Lost Children of the Alleghenies and will have us hitting up the state of Pennsylvania in the United States. Due to potential coarse language, distressing subject matter, and other adult themes, listener discretion is advised. 
Let's start our story with George and Joseph Cox, who, I can imagine, were more than likely your average young boys. George the eldest was born on March 30th of 1849, whilst his brother was born on October 29th of 1850. Their parents, Samuel and Susanna, were married in 1847, and between 1849 to 1871, they would have a total of 11 children. The couple, according to a Perry County Democrat article from 1931, spent their married life in Johnstown before George and Joseph were born. They would eventually settle within the woods of Pavia Township, Bedford County, Pennsylvania. The Cox home was situated in what is now known as the Bob Creeks section, according to a 1935 article by the Everett Press. Based on what I read online, the area the Cox family resided in supposedly wasn't zoned as a residential area as yet, so I picture their home was more than likely smacked down in the middle of a wooded area. The family supposedly lived off the land and made by through hunting what was around of them. Because of this, and due to isolation from the rest of society, any opportunity for food was one that shouldn't be missed. Let's take that information and move forward in time to April 24th of 1856 when George was seven and Joseph was five. On that April morning, the family dog had supposedly started barking loudly outside, notifying its owners that potentially a meal was outside waiting for them to hunt. Samuel reportedly left the home to investigate, in which Joseph and George followed behind. Now, neither Samuel or Susanna knew that the boys had left their home and followed along. It was only discovered when Samuel returned without the boys that something was awry. The couple began calling out for the boys, trying to see if perhaps they were simply nearby. Eventually, Samuel wandered back into the woods while Susanna stayed at home to see if the boys would come back on their own. When the boys continued to not be found, I'm sure the panic in both Susanna and Samuel increased. Even though the Cox family was fairly isolated from neighbors or any nearby town, it wouldn't take long for word to spread that George and Joseph had gone missing. About 100 local volunteers would begin searching the area before sunset to help. Some sources claim that the volunteer number rose, starting with 100 folks and moving upwards to 4,000. The area was scanned through by these volunteers with hopes that, if anything, they would stumble upon a clue to indicate where the two young boys had gone. On top of the volunteers, a $100 reward was also posted by a man named William Scheel in hopes that perhaps if maybe somebody knew something, they would step forward. At first, there was a thought that perhaps the boys had crossed a nearby creek and wandered to another portion of the forest. But according to the write-up by Beth Price Williams for the Only in Your State website, the creek in reference was supposedly swollen from melting snow. This meant that the creek would have probably been hard for the boys to cross without falling in and being carried away by the water. This may have also been a theory at the time of the search as to what may have happened to the boys, but we'll get to it. It's not what happened. The search continued, but locals were beginning to wonder what actually happened the day George and Joseph went missing. And direct quote to elaborate further from that only in your state website, quote, Several days had passed with no sign of George and Joseph. No bodies were found in the Russian Creek. Whispers began to spread. Perhaps Susanna and Samuel had murdered their sons in a quest for financial gain. A cloud of suspicion remained over the Cox parents, end quote. 
Although there was no physical evidence to back up these rumors, it didn't necessarily mean that the rumor mill would stop. But what happened next in this series of weird and unfortunate events would make locals begin to question everything. Supposedly, the volunteer searchers brought in a dowser and a witch from Somerset County. The dowser, for those unaware, is someone that uses divination in order to locate groundwater and buried metals using rods. Neither the witch or the dowser were able to locate the children, and it kind of seemed like perhaps hope was lessening day by day. That is, until a local man named Jacob Dibbert had a dream. Retellings of the case iterate that Jacob had told his wife, after learning about the Cox boys' disappearance, that he wished he would be able to dream of their location. Not sure if he made this wish at 11-11 or what, but sure enough, Jacob would supposedly begin dreaming of George and Joseph. To elaborate further, here's a direct quote from the website Random Times. Quote, On May 2nd of 1856, he being Jacob, had a dream in which he walked a path through the woods past a dead deer, a child's shoe, and a fallen birch tree, and eventually a copse of birch trees in a small ravine. Here he found the bodies of the Cox boys. The dream reoccurred on the two following nights. The farmer told no one but his wife about the dream. However, he felt that the dream was prophetic, and on May 7th, he told his brother-in-law, Harrison Wysong, who recognized elements from Dibbert's dream, end quote. Accounts claim that Jacob was not familiar with the area he dreamt of, nor did he volunteer with the search of George and Joseph from the beginning. Regardless, Jacob and his brother-in-law took off to look around the area Jacob had dreamt of. The two men reportedly stumbled upon the same things Jacob had dreamt of during the search. A dead deer, a shoe, a large stream with a beech log across of it, a ravine, and finally, the birch trees. Which, now that I'm saying this, I'm actually realizing, I don't think in that quote it had mentioned the beech log. Interesting. Anyways, when the birch trees were witnessed by the men, Jacob knew this meant the worst news for the Cox boys was on the horizon. In reference to the birch tree, Jacob was once quoted stating, quote, if my dream is true, that is the birch tree and the boys are lying at the root of it. Jacob's intuition and dreams were correct. The bodies of Joseph and George were there. The cause of death for the boys was exposure, which by medical definition from Wikipedia can be described as poor health or death due to lack of protection from extreme weather or dangerous substances, for example, hypothermia or sunburn. George and Joseph would be buried in the Mount Union Cemetery on May 8th of 1856. By 1906, on the 50th anniversary of the tragedy, a stone monument was erected near the site the bodies were found to landmark their memory for generations to come. The now-enclosed monument reads, Joseph S. Cox, age 5 years, 6 months, and 9 days. George S. Cox, age 7 years, 1 month, and 10 days. Children of Samuel and Susanna Cox. The lost children of the Alleghenies were found here May 8th of 1856 by Jacob Dibbert and Harrison Wyson. End quote. And I just want to say a little bit of apologies to Harrison. Some resources say his last name is Y Sun, while others say Y Song. Just a heads up in case you do decide to do some reading afterwards and come across two different last names for Harrison. 
As mentioned earlier on, Samuel and Susanna would have more children, and Samuel would pass away in 1896, followed by Susanna in 1899. Neither of them knowing what exactly happened to George and Joseph. Now, when it comes to the death of the boys, there seems to be rumors or theories as to what happened. As mentioned, one of the theories about Joseph and George's death included their parents. Based on what I gathered, Susanna and Samuel were never questioned, charged, or prosecuted for the death of their children. That, and to be honest, there didn't seem to be any evidence to back this theory up. Another theory was that Jacob Dibbert may have had something to do with it, but there was no motive, no history of violence, of abusing children from him that I could find online, and it seems like the majority believed Jacob was kind of a hero. Another theory I came across online is that the boys got lost from their father and unfortunately succumbed to their demise due to being without proper food and water or shelter. Some argue that the volunteers looked at the area the boys were evidently found in before they were found, almost as if the boys weren't capable of wandering around themselves and eventually landing in that area after it had been investigated. Whatever may have happened, we still lost two young boys way too soon, and to be honest, I feel like we may never know what exactly happened. Every area that has seen some form of tragedy seems to kind of have some paranormal folklore surrounding it, and unfortunately, the gravesite of George and Joseph is no different. Resources I came across, such as the Washington Times article by Randy Griffith, have noted accounts of folks hearing unexpected unexplained footsteps, children's voices, and seemingly unexplainable falling rocks. That last part, unexplainable falling rocks, I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch. What do you think? I feel like that's a stretch. Anyways, people have also reported an overwhelming sense of sadness, which may be attributed to the story of the boys as opposed to something paranormal. I couldn't find any further specific stories or personal accounts of paranormal activity, but did still want to mention the paranormal tie in regardless, just because, you know, it's out there, it's online, might as well talk about it, might as well shine a small light on it. But now, let's wrap up this week's distraction. The deaths of George and Joseph continue to remain a mystery 166 years later. Did they die due to being lost? Did something nefarious happen? These seem to remain to be ongoing questions that I'm sure many have when they come across the case. The death of the boys also has another layer of mystery, especially surrounding Jacob Dibbert. How is it possible that Jacob dreamt of where the boys were? Let me know your thoughts on the case over on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram, or consider sending me an email. I would love to hear your thoughts. I'm honestly not sure. As someone that has had, I don't know, I don't want to say premonitions, but dreams that evidently may have had meaning and then they actually come true, I think there's a lot of power in the subconscious mind, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that happened? I I don't know. It's hard to say, but please let me know what you think. If you've enjoyed today's Weird Distractions episode, please consider telling your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else who will listen about the show. You can tell them to find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, Podchaser, and many more. If you're streaming the show on Apple Podcasts or Good Pods, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review. This helps the show out for free by letting others know that it's worth listening to. Another way to support the show for free and to never miss an update is to follow along on the show's various social media accounts. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is at WeirdDistractI1 and TikTok. If you want to financially support the show and get yourself a little something extra each month, why not join one of the two tiers over on Patreon? Each month you get exclusive content such as bonus episodes and series, the Weird Destinations travel posts, plus early access to the regular feed episodes. You can find Find out which tier is best suited for you by going to patreon.com slash weirdistraction.
Distractions podcast. Shout out to my current patrons, aka my weird little family members, Tom, Bailey, Angela, John, Alicia, Lynn, Susan, Shadow, Courtney, and Cheryl. I love you all and appreciate your ongoing support of Weird Distractions. If you're unable to support the show on a monthly basis, but still want to support it maybe as a one-time donation, check out the show's merch over on Redbubble or sign up for a one-time donation over on Buy Me a Coffee. Lastly, I want to hear from you. As some longtime listeners may recall, Christy and I released two listener story-based episodes called Listener Distractions. I'd love to keep doing this series and hear all of your weird tales of ghostly encounters, unexplainable events, and too close to home true crime stories. You can email me your tales at weirddistractionspodcast at outlook.com. As well, send me feedback. If there are any corrections that need to be made after today's episode, let me know. And as always, if you need a distraction, I got you. Bye.